It's been proven time and time again that football is king. But I have some numbers to really showcase just how powerful the sport is to college athletics. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Make a Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives you see it right there at the bottom of the screen but if you don't that means you're on the audio side of things and i appreciate that as well just don't forget the s on the end of south exclusives and today's episode is a bit of a variety pack except we have no fritos in the bag for those who don't enjoy the fritos we have nothing but the flavors that you want to hear and we're going to wrap it up With Morgan State lacrosse and how they won a championship, I find it interesting lacrosse in general because that's not a popular HBCU sport. Then we're going to, or excuse me, before that, we're going to dive into DJ Golat's landing spot in the Baltimore Ravens and why it might be comfortable, but maybe not the best place for him at the moment. But before we get into any of it, we're going to discuss why football is king, specifically college football. And I think that this has been proven time and time again. But more so than football being king, it truly is the engine of all college athletics. And I know that we've heard this before. We've seen the, the, the conversations about how football allows other sports to happen. So I think we all have been kind of aware, but maybe not to the lengths that I'm about to showcase right now. Because there were some figures thrown out there when talking about the profit versus losses of every single sport. And when I tell you. The numbers are ridiculous. I'm sorry for those who are on the audio side of things right now because I'm going to use a visual demonstration and I'm not going to read off all of the numbers. But for those of you who are listening, you're in the car. I told you I appreciate you. I told you I look out for you. So what I will do is describe or not describe, but list off the sports that are in the green and the sports that are in the red. So obviously the red are the ones who lost. Let me go ahead and pull that up. Money talks, money talks, money talks. And this came from Ross Dellinger originally i think i got that right but as i get older i realize i'm I'm not the best with names names trip me up the older and older i get and i'm not old i'm not old at all but the older i get numbers trip i mean excuse me uh names trip me up anywho this is a really powerful way to show just or this is really a good way to show how powerful the athletics are college athletics and specifically college football to the athletic budget now this comes from 2016 lsu So this is not an HBCU figure, and I know it's not an exact science because there's sports on here that HBCUs don't have, and I'm sure that the HBCU football isn't making $56 million, right? But this is LSU, and you have the sports of football, men's basketball, and baseball that are in the green in that order. But the numbers, I'll tell you there, $56 million for football. That's the profit that they make. 
Men's basketball makes $1.6 million in profit. That's already a $55 million gap in between first and second place. Let's get that out the way right there. So football makes way more money than anybody else. It's not even close the amount of money and the amount of profit that football generates. Then you have baseball, which is even lower than basketball. After that, and this is in no particular order, but it goes gymnastics, softball, women's basketball, women's and men's track and field slash cross country, men's and women's golf, volleyball, women's soccer, men's tennis, beach volleyball, women's tennis. Did I say that? Excuse me. Oh, yeah, men's and women's tennis, tennis, women's swimming and men's swimming. So you're looking at sports. First off, most HBCUs don't even have swimming. Some don't have tennis. I don't think any have beach volleyball. You know, you're looking at all these other ones they have. Most don't have gymnastics. So the numbers aren't an exact science. But the point is to look at football, men's basketball, baseball. Those are your money sports, but specifically men's uh, basketball and football. Now, I do wonder, and I'll keep this graphic up so that you have the time to look at all of these numbers if you're on the video side. If you're on the audio side and you have the chance, just look at the time on your audio right now and then come back. But that's 17 sports, and only three of the 17 actually make money. And I'm sure there's spikes, and who knows, with baseball being so low, this might have been a spike for them. And they love baseball out there at LSU. The track and field team is really good, yet they're still in the red, yet they're still losing money. This is a really good program for LSU, and they're not generating the money that you would think they would based off of their success. This just showcases how important football is. Because if you take away the $56 million, you're losing about $24 million in sports. You're losing money. But because football is here with the 56, you're gaining a profit about $30 million. That's the difference. That is a huge difference when it comes to football. That's the power of of football. When they say that power, or excuse me, when they say that football allows other sports to happen, this is what you mean. You look at this chart and you see there's only two sports who would actually generate a profit outside of football. Meaning if football wasn't around, that $2 million that gymnastics is costing LSU, gymnastics is probably in a drain. All right, there's sports like that, gymnastics. Um, probably beach volleyball, not happening. Swimming probably wouldn't be happening. Maybe because it's an Olympic sport, you would use it. But there's just certain sports that if it wasn't for football, they would probably go in the can. That's the power of football. They don't just generate money and be like, oh, look at us. We generate money. No, they generate money and they give back. They generate money and they help provide for all of the other sports. You could make a strong argument that if it wasn't for college football, the amount of sports in college would be significantly diminished. Now, I told you, this is not an exact science. So it's not that, because I don't think they're losing as much money as these schools, and I also don't think they're making as much money as these schools. So it's, I'm not going to try to rationale it out. You can do that. You can try to make the figures work out to what you think is going to be. I haven't seen an HBCU budget laid out like this, so I don't know. But what I will say is that I think that not only do we need to look at how powerful football is and support our football team, because we see this. This is going to be the case at pretty much every school. You know, I, I don't know what school this isn't the case. I would, be, I would love to see a school like Duke, who is such a basketball school, see if their numbers even out. That's what I would love to see. But I would say 90% of schools, especially HBCUs, football is going to be the king, is going to be the school that, or excuse me, the, uh, the program that generates the most money for the school and kind of pays the way for all these other athletics. So 
show up, buy tickets if you can, you know, like actually go to the game. And I know it's not much. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the solutions. What you will never hear from me, what you will never hear from me is just, this is what you do, period. I don't, like, I don't I'm not here to say, this is how you save HBCUs. I'm, that's not me, all right? I know that people say it and people get freaking beat down on Twitter for saying it. And I get it because it's not as easy as that. And it always comes from somebody who's not in the in the circle. So nobody ever likes that. I, even me being in the circle, you'll never hear me say that. That's just not, that's not me. It's not what I'll do. I'll give suggestions and things like that. But I'm not here to be, I'm not here to break down the way to save everything, right? So with that being said, with all of that being said, go to a football game. Go to some of these other games. Make it to where they don't have to be as dependent on football. Now, I don't think that me telling you to go buy a ticket to the softball game is all of a sudden going to take them out of a million-dollar hole. I don't think that. But what I can say is that every little dollar does make a difference in this. And I don't know how to support exactly. Right. I, I come from I, mean, I got I got in all the games for free, you know. So and then I move. So I'm not in Houston. Don't have any HBCUs up here in, uh, in where I stay. Right. Because if you don't know, I'm going to get my my location out. Y'all might try to come find me. But anywho, just do what you can do your part. I'm sure the support doesn't take much. But I think that just buying a ticket to a game. That's the easiest way to show your support and add a little bit of money to the profit, take away from the loss. That's my advice. But football is king, not only in popularity, but it's also the engine of all college athletics when we're talking about the money. With that being said, you know exactly how powerful football is now. And as we go forward, we're going to be discussing DJ Golat because I know that he probably feels extremely comfortable with the Baltimore Ravens. But I'm just not sure if that's the place he needs to be at the moment. And we'll dive in exactly why and where as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the market, bar none. And I've had them all. I've had them all. I've had the candy bars. I've had the protein bars. And I went to Built and I said, oh, wow, this feels like a perfect mixture of both. A perfect mixture. Because if I want to go to the gym, which... I haven't done it in a while, just be honest with you. I can get me a built bar. If I need to go just get me a snack because I'm hungry, I can get me a built bar. Covered in 100% dark chocolate. Then you have the built puff, which has marshmallow inside. And I tell you this, and every time I say it, let me go ahead and take this money talks off. But spend your money on built bar. But it's, listen, every time I say it, I'm amazed. But you have a marshmallow covered in chocolate that is good for you and not fattening. It's a, it's a crazy combination to me but you have it high in protein low in sugar low in fat low in carbs high in flavor so it's high in flavor high in benefit low in all of the detriments go to built.com slash locked on use the promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your offer or run over to your local sam's club or walmart and get it now a four pack or a 13 pack go to built.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked 15 March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And on tomorrow's episode, we'll have Mason Smith from from Sports Illustrated coming on to discuss Alabama State's basketball team, where things went wrong last year, the recruiting class for this year, and then also the NBA G League Elite Camp. So I cannot wait to share that with you. We've done it. It's in the can. Time to go ahead and unleash it on tomorrow's episode. But right now, DJ Golat probably feels comfortable with the Baltimore Ravens. I actually think the Baltimore Ravens is probably the most comfortable NFL landing spot for DJ Golat. However, I'm just not sure if that's where he needs to be at the moment. And as it sits right now, that's who he's been picked up as. It was picked up by, it was an undrafted free agent contract. So he's not even going in for like a, a, a what's it called? Tryout. He's not going in for a trial. He's been signed to a UDFA contract. So he'll probably make it into camp. And there's a couple of reasons that I feel like he would feel extremely comfortable. First off, he's pretty much at home. Like, DJ Golat feels exactly at home at Baltimore. And it's not because, oh, I really like the Ravens or I grew up a Ravens fan. I don't know that man personally. I don't know what his childhood affiliations were. But I'll tell you this, he went to high school in Upper Marlboro. Now, let's see, Upper Marlboro, uh, Maryland, Borough, Marlboro. Like I told you, the names be killing me. But he went to school in Maryland. He went to school in Maryland, and then he went to Morgan State for college, 50 minutes from his high school. Transferred to Bowie State, 20 minutes from his high school. Now, he's going to Baltimore, playing for the Ravens. 40 minutes from his high school. This man does not leave Baltimore. Excuse me, he does not leave Maryland unless it's an away game. High school, college, college, pro. He's been in Maryland his whole life. Since a high schooler, at least. He's been in Maryland. This man don't leave. That's that's feeling at home. You can drive down from camp. You ain't feeling too good for the day. You can drive back home real quick. Come back up same night if you wanted to. So, yes, he probably feels extremely comfortable with the location. But I would assume... By play, style, by play style, he'd also feel pretty comfortable being a Raven, period. Even if the Ravens were in Antarctica, he would feel good with this because you look at the players who are on the Ravens at his position. Lamar Jackson, highest paid quarterback in the league. Ty Huntley. Those are two players who their, their mobility is extremely valuable to the offense. Now, I don't know what the new offensive coordinator is going to look like. I don't know if they're going to have the same offense that they did the last couple of years or the first five years of Lamar's career where it was really run-centric. But what I do know is that no matter what the system is, the system will involve Lamar's legs, and the players underneath him will just be able to follow that system. That's the value of Baltimore. Is because now you have a mobile quarterback in Lamar Jackson, but also with that mobile quarterback, you have quarterbacks behind him. The backups are mobile. So I think that's what they like because they have the ability to not really change their offense too much. You're not going from Lamar Jackson to Joe Flacco where it's like, okay, we need to just change all of this read option, all of this zone, all of this. No, we just need to drop back completely different offense for a completely different quarterback. That's not the case. I think his ceiling is a practice squad, DJ Golat, but I don't think the practice squad is where he needs to be. And I know it feels harsh to say somebody doesn't need to be in the NFL, but I'm genuinely looking out for him. I genuinely am looking out for him when I say that I believe that DJ Golat would be best if he took a stint in the XFL or the USFL. Now, granted, I admittedly hope this is not the case. 
And I'll tell you why I hope I'm wrong at the end of the show. But I think that for him, that would be the best thing because from everything I hear about Golak, he's raw. An extremely raw pro, uh, prospect. Extremely raw. You need a little bit of seasoning, and I don't know if the practice squad is the seasoning that he needs. Listen, like it's, it's, I think that DJ Golat is a player who has a nice ceiling, right? And his ceiling is probably being a backup practice squad. It's just very rare that you're going to see a, a quarterback drafted or undrafted, so drafted extremely late or undrafted, that's going to go on to have a long career. But you can be a backup. You can get a couple of years in this league as a backup having some success. That is a thing. And I think that DJ Golak could do it, but I think he probably could use some seasoning to be able to extend it to his maximum potential. And what that means is just going and getting real-life reps, not just being a practice squatter, but getting real-life reps, and the best place to do that is the XFL or the USFL or the Canadian Football League or just somewhere to showcase his talents. And I'm not saying he's going to go do that and come out and be a starting quarterback. But you look at P.J. Walker. Right, P.J. Walker went into, I believe it was the XFL. Actually, no, I think it was the USFL. I think P.J. Walker was in the USFL, and then what happens? He goes on, and now he's a backup quarterback. He's going to be there for a while, I think. So I think that's something that could happen with D.J. Golash. Go out, showcase your skills, hone your skills, because it's not like I'm just asking him to showcase so he can get to the NFL. He's there. But hone your skills a little bit so that you can be more valuable to the NFL, then come back. And I'm only saying this from a from an actual football standpoint. And I'll tell you this as we wrap this one. I hope I'm wrong. I really do hope that I'm wrong. Now, the reason I hope I'm wrong is because, A, money, 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 money. Now, you make $207,000 being a practice squatter a year. You may, if, you get, if you stay on the practice squad the whole year, of course. You make $60,000 playing in the XFL. I think it's $70, $70,000 playing in the USFL. That money, ain't, that money ain't the same. It's not even close. You're looking at triple the amount of money to be in the XFL or to be in a practice squad. So I hope that I'm wrong so he can stack his money up the best. I would never ask for somebody to make less money. I'm only speaking from a football standpoint and what I think would make him the better player. And then lastly... I hope I'm wrong because if he's good enough to be in the NFL, I don't want him to go that route. My only thing is I feel like he could hone his skills a little bit. If they don't feel like he needs to hone his skills, put him on the practice squad. You're not going to keep three active quarterbacks often. I think actually I think it's a new rule to where they might. So if he can get that third spot, he probably gave him more money than a, a, a practice squad guy. And then not even really have to play, not being counted on at all. So... I hope I'm wrong because it means that his evaluation of how raw he is and not quite being ready was a little bit off. But then also I want the man to be able to get as much money as he can. I'll never count somebody or ask somebody to take less money. I never do that. I never will. So that's my desire. But I think that though it's extremely comfortable, comfortable for him as far as location and play style of the Ravens, I think the XFL, USFL would be a nice place for DJ Golat to really hone his skills and as we push forward with locked on hbcu we're going to dive into morgan state lacrosse because they just won the ncl lacrosse championship and i thought this was a pretty big week specifically the last week of the season and the championship weekend i would say these seven days were the highlight of their season 
And as we're wrapping up with today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Morgan State's final week of their lacrosse season was the highlight of the year. It truly was. I Look, look, it culminated in an NCL lacrosse championship and that's, of course, going to be the story. That's what everybody's going to look at. Oh, Morgan State won a lacrosse championship. But you just take it back just a week. You just look at it just a week. This was a highlight week for Morgan State. For those who don't know about the NCL lacrosse championship, I'll give a little bit of background because, hey, I'm, I'm one of those people who I wasn't extremely knowledgeable in it either, right? But I looked at it once I, was able, once I saw, excuse me, I looked at it once I saw that Morgan State won a championship. I said, let me look into this a little bit. So you have seven teams, Morgan State, Delaware State, Bowie State, Coppin State, University of Maryland, Eastern Shore, Norfolk State, and Lincoln University. So you have a mixture of schools that are D1, D2, but these are the seven teams that make up the NCL lacrosse league. Then you have the championship, which is a four-team bracket. There's only four teams in the playoffs, and that all happens on one day. So you have two matches at the start of the day, the winners face off in a match at the end of the day. That's what you have. So, cool. Got you on that. And the winner gets $10,000 for their program. $10,000. So that's a nice little reward, a nice little incentive, and the runner-up gets five k The playoffs this year was four teams, like I said, and you had Bowie State, Delaware State, Morgan State, and Coppin State. But Coppin State was the four seed at 3-8. and eight. This is a three-team race. Like, I know anything can happen. Anything is possible. I get it. But this was a three-team race through and through. This was Coppin State, or excuse me, this was Bowie State, Delaware State, and Morgan State. Now that we've set the scene for the league, we set the scene for the playoffs, we set the scene for the, the reward of making it there, now that we've done all of that, let's dive into why this week was so important. And you have to start on April 30th because it wasn't continuous. You play a game every weekend. It was April 30th and May 7th, so it was a week apart, but still seven days nevertheless. And that first game was Morgan State versus Delaware State. It was the last game of the season. Now, you can make an argument that that was the biggest game of the year outside of the championship game. You can make that strong argument. But not only did you avenge a loss, because Delaware State was the only team to have beat Morgan State that year, and Delaware State was undefeated. They were the only team to knock off Morgan State, and nobody had beat them. Morgan State comes in and beats them by five. Now, that's important because the first time the Delaware State beat Morgan State, the Bears lost by four. That one-point difference was the difference between being a two-seed and being the number one seed. Now, not only did you get to avenge your loss. I love that. That's me. I love a storyline. I love coming back for revenge. I love all of that. Those are the type of things that, that get me interested. But not only did you avenge a loss, that becomes secondary because with the way that you won, you got the number one seed. And the number one seed is great. Everybody wants home field advantage and all of that. But it's not even about home field advantage. It's about the fact that you got to not face the number three seed. Rewind. I told you. This was a three-team race. First seed, second seed, third seed. Coppin State had a losing record 
as the fourth seed. They were three and eight. So there was only three teams in this league that had a winning record. This was a three-team race. And by winning the number one seed, you got to face team number four. You got the easy route. You got the team in the playoffs with a drastically losing record. You didn't have to face Bowie State at the beginning. You didn't. You didn't have to go through facing the third seed and the facing the first seed. That's the harder route. Because you won by five instead of winning by three, you won by five and you were able to get that tiebreaker now. You got the easier route. This was extremely important. Now, you can go through and say every single game was important. You're right. You're right. You went from having the first seed because you won, probably been the second or the third seed, not like it really matters. It's no home field. But you went from being the first seed to being the second or third seed. Or excuse me, you went from being the second or third seed to being the first seed because you actually won. This is huge. You knock off Coppin State, cool. Nobody surprised by that. But then you get Bowie State. Kind of bummed we didn't get to see Delaware State versus Morgan State for the third time, a nice little rubber match. But you got to see Bowie State. You take care of business there. So now in that week span, you have avenged the loss, earned home field advantage, earned earn the number one seat. I'll just say number one seat. Then you come in, knock off your first playoff game, because this is win or go home now at this point. All right, you don't go home. Now you're in the championship going against Bowie State, the other really good team in the league still. And you win that game, and you win a championship, and you are the lacrosse champions. Alexa, play queen. It's just that simple. We are the champions, my friend. And we keep on fighting to the end. I was told that I should not sing on air. So this one's for you, Mike. Told I missed all of the notes in my debut radio show this Sunday. Last Sunday, just a couple days ago. So I will not sing it, but I will say the lyrics, and we are the champions, my friend. My friend, I hope that you continue to make us your first listen of the day every day. On tomorrow's episode, we'll have Sports Illustrated's Mason Smith to break down Alabama State basketball and then also look at some of our HBCU prospects in the NBA draft. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.